0: Hello and welcome to the final A Little Wiser of season five. I am here with my friend and associate producer, Tara Daigle. Hi, Tara. Hi, Kimmy. We are taking a short break for the summer. We are going to go and enjoy ourselves and travel and soak up the sun in August. Well, we are also going to be... Working and pouring a lot of time and thought and heart into coming back in September with season six. But we wanted to just wrap up this season five with you, our listeners, and share some of our thoughts about the stories and the messages that really stuck with us. And also give you a sneak peek of what is ahead. First, we cannot... A, we can't talk about this season and not lead with it, and certainly the timing that our interview with Fernando aired last week. And for those of you who have not listened, this is a story and a person we are very passionate about at All the Wiser. Tara, would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you have not, honestly, please make the time to listen to this episode. It's so important Fernando's story of you know living as an incarcerated boy and then man for decades um, for crimes he committed as a 16-year-old and that ultimately his compassion and tenderness he ended up demonstrating as a hospice worker ultimately set him free, literally set him free. And one of the things in listening to well, well, first of all, Tara, what, what stood out to you with last week's episode with Fernando?
1: Oh, my gosh. So many things. First of all, his story is remarkable, but I couldn't help but the second that I turned on the audio, I immediately felt his genuine kind-heartedness and empathy and love for humanity. I think it comes through immediately the second that you sit down, sat down with him, the second you pop headphones into your ears I felt like I was just like cuddled up in a corner
0: listening to you guys talk I mean the the thing if okay if you if you zoom out of this interview in particular he talks in the interview and this stuck with me I've, I've thought about it every day since this idea of being invisible that for people who are incarcerated they are invisible To the rest of the world outside of those cement walls. And that is their talents, their gifts, their heart, their stories, the good, the bad, all of it is invisible. He talked about all of these men who have incredible gifts. They're artists, they're writers, they're actors, they're academics. And and, you know, Fernando was made visible by a New York Times journalist who met him in a hospice ward in a prison. And her Making him visible for all of the good that existed set him free, right? Yeah. But to sit down so I I recorded this interview in Santa Monica in a studio that's like more for like YouTubers <laughs> than podcasters <laughs> with like serious, intimate conversations. But here's this man who has been invisible forever and we're sitting down, there's like cameras, lights sweating and I am saying make yourself not only visible but all of you the hardest parts the warts the pain talk about all of it talk about the worst day of your life talk about and how freaking courageous and and scary to be invisible your whole life and then you know not just say share yourself but share yourself and then Know that it's going to go out into the world and tens and thousands of people are going to hear you. And especially when there's so many fears about the world accepting him based on his past. Right. Like it was I mean, that is some brave shit. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and he talks about it. A little bit towards the back end of the interview about life after, once he's into the world and creating his new identity and building relationships with people again, and the fear of putting himself out there and being vulnerable. And now, after having this great internal transformation, how can he show up in the world as this new changed person 20 something years later? Now with a child of his own, to be a provider, to be a dad, to do all of these things and continue to chase his dream in a world that is still pretty much rejecting him. And to do it with such grace, I just thought was incredible.
0: He also, not only for a man in particular to, especially I think coming from What I would imagine, I would assume that prison culture and prison settings don't, there isn't a lot of celebration for male vulnerability. I could be wrong. I should ask him that. But so, how in touch he was, right, with himself, with his emotions, how honest he was. And then what he also said is that every time he opens his mouth, especially in a public setting or he walks into a room or he speaks, he knows that he is representing the men he left yeah. behind. So if he is articulate, if he is really relatable, if if people can connect with him, so he's carrying that on his shoulders. It's just a lot. And I don't know. I, I mean, here we are in this studio and and. Oh my gosh, this moment. I brought my daughter. So she was off to the side and she's just so curious and compassionate. And like, it was great. Like, she was off to the side listening and she had like waters for us. And the sound engineer who was operating the cameras and the video was a youngish, maybe 20s guy. And he had no idea who we were, what the show was about, what the subject matter was. And you could see he was probably going to be like, turn on the start recording and then like look at his phone, which a lot of people, and he was mesmerized, right? And then Fernando took a break to have some water and take a breath. And he walked up and just said, I just want to thank you, brother. And they hugged. (laughs) And he said, can I just say thank you? And they like went in and he just said, thank you so much, brother, to Fernando. And it was this... Youngish kid who was just absorbing this guy's story and his humanity, you were seeing in the flash like the impact of Fernando's story like it was happening real time yeah it was really cool yeah that's
1: <sighs> to be to be in the room <laughs> but now that we're talking to about this the there's so many things now that you're saying that i'm I'm remembering so many parts of the interview and How you said they feel invisible. He said this one thing like, for incarcerated or formerly incarcerated people like himself, it's as if he meets people for the first time and immediately has to disclose his greatest flaws, that the worst worst thing he's ever done. Yeah. And what if? That's really what it was like for for everyone. Imagine beating someone and shaking hands and introducing yourself and also having to disclose the worst thing, most embarrassing thing maybe that you've ever done because we're human and we make mistakes. And we normal everyday people get to decide whether we disclose that with someone or not. And unfortunately, yeah. yeah, he doesn't. Um, so yeah, from, from the beginning to the end of the interview, it's just, he takes you through his journey and it's really emotional.
0: Can you imagine if some 40 year old person goes in for a job interview and was like, hi, I'm Lisa. Um, for three years of my life, I did coke every day and cheated on my fiance. So I'm here for the, you no, know, <laughs> right? something she did when she was 18 right. or I don't know, whatever, 25. And here you are decades later. And every time you walk in a room, that is the starting place. Right. Yeah. I can't That's imagine. Crazy. Yeah. It's I, I think how he illustrated that. And we're going to share... A highlight moment or a favorite episode and I think it's fitting that we start with this one because I believe our whole team this was really one of the stories that that stands out for us not only in this season but in the entirety of the podcast of one we're really proud to be play a part in sharing and it's also a nice segue because we discovered Fernando through a group called the Humane Hospice prison project. And the way we learned about Humane Hospice Prisons was through our interview with Diane Button. So every interview we do, we donate $2,000. And Tara is the conduit of all of that, working with the guests to find the charity, then reaching out to the charity, getting all the information, processing it, sharing the episode. And it was actually Tara who was like, this is incredible. We had done this episode on death and dying, but the charity that they gave to, there's a story there. Let's follow that lead. But it began with Diane Button. Tara, I will let you share why that episode was so special. And I know I know you have a clip you pulled that you would like to play. So why don't you tell me why and we can play that clip.
1: Yeah. So Diane's episode was really impactful to me. And just to remind the listeners, Diane Button was the interview that we did, she is a death doula. Um, so she cares for people at the end of their lives and walks them through that time and space. And one thing that she said during the interview is these people that she's caring for, she calls them wisdom keepers. And that really impacted me because the whole premise of her work, her life's work, she's taken people's lives people's stories and brought them through their lives and she's able to kind of learn from them and I feel like that is really aligned with our show overall as a whole so I just love the premise of that of living really well in order to die well and kind of looking back on your life and reflecting
0: of everything you've been through and yeah bringing that full circle so let's let's play the clip real quick for for our listeners, and then I want to share my thoughts as well. I think that the idea of what you do every day in your life to live well, you know, to die in peace, you need to live in peace, to die in harmony with all beings, you need to live in harmony with all beings, to, to die without regrets and live without regrets or working through your regrets. You know, it's all about what we do in our day to day living that prepares us for dying well. She is really incredible. If we want to die well, we need to. The work is now, right? Living in alignment, being good to our people, showing up, loving well, being an honest person. If we wait until the end of life and we look back with regret, that isn't a peaceful way to go, right? Yeah. But the other thing she she really talked about, you know, as I you said about wisdom keepers was you know, she's she sat with these hundreds of people and their wisdom and I asked I think about the one piece of advice and she said if there was one it was just to pause like mm-hmm. for a minute, for a second cuz we have one <laughs> time here right and if we're moving so quickly then we miss it and that was the impact of living well in the day-to-day that i've tried i forget most days to wake up and think about diane's advice but when i do just take a minute to just pause you kind of realize how beautiful it all is yeah yeah, and her story comes, of
1: course, with layers, as does anyone's, but to be someone that has experienced so much life, you know, she's been through a ton herself, and then to sit and walk alongside people at the end of their life and dedicate and devote your the rest of your life as your life's work to that, it takes a really special person to be able to do that.
0: Did you make any small changes as a result of that, you know, of getting to know Diane and her work? I would like
1: to say I made some big, huge change. But honestly, I it was a really good reminder um, to live intentionally, to be really to live with care, you know, to always say the thing, not hold back. So I I. I think of her, and I think of her story and and her work, and when I'm (laughs) in moments of hesitation, I guess, or resistance, it definitely sparks me to do the thing that I need to do from the heart, because what matters is what I do now, and to always let the people that I know and love, that I love them so much.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah let the people you know and love know that you know and love them. Yeah. Not yeah.
1: and not just yeah. and not just like wait for I think honestly to answer your question with a definitive answer is not waiting for the special moments to do that. Like don't just wait yeah. for the birthdays, don't just wait for the holidays. Just have it be a Thursday afternoon that you send the text or the voice memo, which we're favorites of <laughs> that you're thinking of them, that they're special to you, that you love them. Just a small note, I think, really goes such a long way. I know it does for me.
0: I'm so glad that you chose Diane because I was really impacted by her as well. And for my the interview. That I chose was Anthony Brown, and Anthony Brown is a man who was homeless, living without a home in California for decades. He was living primarily on the streets, under park benches, in and out of the prison system for decades without a home, and now has transformed his life and his circumstances, and has a million degrees, including nursing degrees, and is doing a lot of work to support other people who are living without homes. And I'll play the clip for you now, and then Tara, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that episode as well.
2: It's a hodgepodge of a bunch of things going on out there, but the common denominator is that It's like an us versus them. You know, you guys have it going on. You guys are going to work. You guys don't understand what we're going through. Leave us alone because you don't understand it. People, I call it uh, people in Squaresville (laughs) because I'm in Squaresville today. But people in Squaresville, those are the nine to fivers. Those are the people that have the cars. Whereas we had a car, but we don't know more. We had a job, but we don't know more. We had a life we don't know more, but you guys don't understand what we're going through. And so after a while, just stay away from us. People aren't going to come in a back alley just because they want to be nice to people. People are in fear of dark places. Dark places is where we can hide and feel safe.
0: You know, Anthony, we already talked about Fernando, and I think it relates to him and to so many of the stories we've shared. And just if we think about our lives, the cities we live in, the, the spaces and places we're a part of is how much othering we do or judgment and that how hard, how next to impossible it is to connect with someone, to understand someone when we judge an other. And The idea that somebody living on the streets is not a human, you know, wasn't just as we all were one day a brand new baby, you know, that's parents wanted the best for them in the world. I'm sure they did not choose the outcome. I would like them to be shooting up heroin on a sidewalk as people step over them, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's Protect ourselves by othering and distancing and judgment and the sad fact of the inhumanity in that, I guess yeah. and and we all do. I do it, you know, I live in a city with a population that lives on the streets, and you do you often you know. Cross the other way, or is my kid safe? And I don't know what the answer is, but it seems that his call or suggestion that, that perhaps just realizing we're all having a shared human experience is a nice beginning, right? To not so distance ourselves from that person. Yeah. Am I making any sense? Yeah, totally. No,
1: totally. And it goes back to Fernando's point of invisibility. It's, you know, same but different in a different way because obviously people without a home are very visible in society. However, we treat them as if we don't see them. And that was one of the things that I took away the most probably from Anthony's episode because living in a city, it is very prevalent and very present. And As someone that wants to do something, even if it's a small thing, when he said, just treat us like we are a human and don't totally ignore us, all it takes is a hello sometimes. It's not even offering money or quite frankly, caring for us, but just if you make eye contact with us, say hi, you know, and I think, am I getting emotional? (laughs) I think now (laughs) in my day-to-day, I do make it a point to really be mindful of that and just
0: treat people like they're people. Yeah. And it's as, as hard and as simple and as powerful as that, right? And I have worked really hard to be more conscientious, especially in front of my kids, of how I interact with the world when things are very different, right? Our existence walking out of this, you know, great lunch and a great meal and you walk out into the streets and somebody is shooting up drugs or, you know, half naked lying. That's that's a real difference, right? Yeah. It's visible, but to your point, can is it possible to look someone in the eyes? Or if it's not and and Can you take a moment and just close your eyes and say, I wish them well, like I wish them well, or I wish them peace or I pray for them or you're not going to walk around Mother Teresa doing that with every person you encounter. (laughs) But the more moments where we can acknowledge each other's humanity, acknowledge each other's suffering and that it's and that we're all human, like we should all be in this together. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I I don't want to sound Pollyanna about it but in those small moments where we can just do that just look somebody in the eyes or just take a second to say you know I hope they get the help they need or I wish that for them or I'm yeah he's it made me think about all the subtle ways in which we distance and judge and other ourselves and all types of ways from other people yeah so Anthony Diane Fernando and many other guests. We could go on and on. Yeah. So we are taking off the month of August. Season six will be back the first week of September to start our fall with you. And a lot of people ask, I I think at this point, hundreds of people have asked, how do you find the stories? Like, everyone's like, what in the world? Like, how do you guys? And Hopefully we make it look easy. What I will tell you is (laughs) nothing about it is effing easy. It it is, we do it a million different ways. We research, we YouTube, we read, we ask people, we ask our guests, we call charities, we call organizations, we call institutions. Sometimes we we (laughs) TikTok. Sometimes we... I'm going to call it, it's strategic stalking. I'm like, okay, you sneak in his DM on Insta. (laughs) I'm going to just casually email the publicist and pretend that we didn't sneak in his DM (laughs) on Insta. When we want to tell a story, we want to bring that story to you. So sometimes it's luck. Sometimes we find someone that we want to bring on the pod so you can learn from them and it can take us it's taken years for some people you Mm -hmm. know takes 18 months between the idea and getting to that person and getting to the place where they're available and in a space to share their story so those are the myriad of ways we find stories and real quick and we don't have to go so much into it but we are thinking about stories in a way a new way that we're really excited about. And Tara, do you want to explain it or do you want me to?
1: Yeah. So this season specifically, I think with Diane's story, with Anthony's story, it's kind of prompted us to take a step back and zoom out to a bigger picture of the stories that we really want to tell to drive really meaningful, impactful change in the world and bring these stories to light so that we can see something, we can see movement in systemic problems and really drive,
0: yeah, overall change. Yes, Tara, that is so well put. Yeah, that this issue of people being invisible is clearly something that we feel is a problem in our society and interviewing and sharing the stories of people like Anthony and Fernando makes a difference. Yeah. And so we raise our hands and say, those are the types of stories we want to tell because we think there is a need for change and we can be a small part of it in this way. Mike, And drop. so we're just thinking about things. That- <laughs> Mike, boom. <laughs> so we have we have some great episodes coming up for per- the fall. We have another story that has the, backdrop of prison but it's a former female inmate and all i have to say is she's freaking amazing and and it involves kim Kardashian, yeah. <laughs> which <laughs> sounds distracting and it is but it's an unbelievable story so i'm very excited about that and She sang. She has a beautiful voice, and she used to sing in prison, and she sang to me during the interview, so I'm very excited about that. We have an interview with a woman who has never shared her story at all and anywhere, who was a former Air Force pilot, F-1 bomber pilot, who transitioned to a woman, and her story of her... Transition is just her whole life story from fighting wars to, you know, transitioning. Unbelievable is an understatement. So we're we're working with her to tell her story. We have a true crime story that we're actually is going to be the first of the season with Amy Chesler. But there's a lot of interesting work in which people are doing true crime, which people are very intrigued and drawn to, but in a way that's really like intentional and compassionate to the families and the victims. So this is she was a family member. It was a true crime with her her losing her mother to her to her brother's mental illness and violence and. As a result, she started a podcast. So yeah, I mean, those are those are some of them, right? Yeah, it's going to be a good season six. It's going to be a good season six. <laughs> well, everyone, enjoy your end of summer. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your people. And think about Diane Button's advice to pause and, yeah, just to soak up your time here and anthony's advice to just be kind and thoughtful as you move through the world noted
1: thanks for being here with us
0: thanks for being here happy end of summer and we'll be back soon see you later kimmy